Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go up there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good afternoon, race fans at 12.05 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to hour number two of WGR's Fast Track Daytona 500 preview show. We are taking you up until 1 o'clock this afternoon when we will hand things over to our friends at the Motor Racing Network for live flag-to-flag coverage of the 59th running of the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. And looking forward to today's running of the quote-unquote Super Bowl of stock car racing. We'll with, be with you for the next hour. And phone lines are open here right off the bat at 803-0551-888-550-2550. What are you looking forward to most this season uh, in the Monster Energy uh, NASCAR Cup Series? Is it the new stage formats? Is it the influx of new talent like Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones? Or uh, just looking forward to seeing uh, who can master this new point system that uh, we are all getting accustomed to and, and have seen it in play already this weekend in the other series. Uh, plus, just looking for your Daytona 500 winners as well, too. Who is your favorite to win today's race? Again, 803 888 uh, As I started... Uh, Stated earlier in the program, for those of you just tuning in, though, I am leaning towards Joey Logano for today's race. But I feel like today is going to be a wide open, uh, anybody can win kind of day because of the level of, of competition and the performance we are seeing from all three manufacturers throughout Speed Weeks. We've seen the uh, the Toyotas and Fords uh, you know, perform very well right out of the box here at Speed Weeks. And uh, uh, the... Uh, Picking up, you know, Joey Logano winning last Sunday in the clash after Brad Keselowski, you know, making that torrid run to the field and he and Denny Hamlin tangling together uh, on the on the last lap. But then come qualifying on Sunday, it was a pair of Hendrick Chevrolets getting the top two spots in Chase Elliott and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And then it was Elliott winning his dual race on Thursday, Jr. dominating his dual race Thursday night, but coming up short as Denny Hamlin got by him on the last lap. So. The, the Chevy showing that they can run just as well as the Fords and Toyotas have done so already during Speed Week. So really, it's going to be a wide-open race, in my opinion. And uh, it, it's it's hard to pick a fair. Like I said, I, I get asked this all the time. At Bandit's practice yesterday morning, I was getting asked, you know, who I think is going to win the race today. And uh, I'm, I, But I'm leaning towards Joey Logano, I, I think, uh, out of all the teams of Penske Fords, seem to be the most consistent. They might have, you know, they've got Logano's clash win. They've got some strong runs from Brad Keselowski. Keselowski should have won the clash last Sunday had it not been for, uh, y- you know, um, uh, the the late the late block there from Nenny Hamlin. And, uh, you know, Brad was looking very aggressive working his way through the field. Like, I, I, I likened it to a game of Frogger, the way he was kind of hopping his way 
from lane to lane, and he would side draft off of one car, tuck up behind another, then pop out of line and go back and forth uh, lane to lane down the backstretch. And and the ability for that to happen is also is why I'm, I'm very excited and, and highly anticipating today's race uh, that you'll hear right here on WGR. Uh, the fact that it is a uh, the with the pack racing, you've got uh, the ability for either lane to to go out in front of the field. No longer is it you know one lane is the dominant lane, whether it be the inside or the outside. And that second lane, they can get formed up, they can get a run to the front of the field. But once they get to the head of the pack, they kind of stall out. We've seen that you know quite a bit over the last few years. I think uh, this year, last year into this year especially, uh, no longer. Does that second lane stall out? But uh, they, if they can get a strong enough side draft, and maybe those that second car gives the lead car enough of a push, they can go by the leader and, and, and make a move for the lead. And, and that's what the the best part of restrictor plate racing is: is the fact that uh, when that that one car gets a run, it's not like it used to be back in the day when you would have the guy pull out a line and do the slingshot pass. We don't have that anymore. That classic move. But just the power that one car can get from just a simple push from the guy behind him uh, to go to the front of the field uh, is still pretty exciting. And no longer can the the leader kind of play those games like we've seen the last couple of years. You get that one car out in front, and they would kind of just uh, you know drive in the rearview mirror and, and try and block both lanes. It's a little bit harder now to do that because one guy can get such a run um, with with just a push from behind, so uh, that that's what has me really excited for today's race. Um, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk to uh, Alex Nagy from Jucasa Motor Speedway. We're going to have him at quarter past the hour, um, and then uh, we'll have wide open phones for the remainder of the hour here on Fast Track. Uh, drivers meeting currently going on at Daytona. It is a uh, star-studded affair. We talked about some of the other uh, the familiar, uh, famous faces that are at the Daytona 500. Uh, people like Ladainian Tomlinson, Jordan Sparks. Uh, you heard Kurt Becker in the last hour talk about Mar- the fact that Mario Andretti's there. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is there today, the Western New York native, New England Patriots tight end. Of course, uh, he's got a a deal with Monster Energy, so no surprise that he is there. As you know, Monster Energy makes their regular season debut as the presenting sponsor of the Cup Series now in NASCAR. But Gronk is there, um, and at the drivers' meeting, some interesting comments from Brian France. Uh, making uh, some some strong statements and a, a little unusual from what I'm seeing from uh, many of the media members that are there in attendance uh, for him to to kind of make a statement about competition. But apparently, uh, uh, Brian w- was quoted as saying the drivers meeting that blocking is a part of racing. Don't look for NASCAR uh, as it ca- it causes the big crashes. Be a good Samaritan. Do not look for NASCAR. So, you know, he was and he also said that they realize blocking is a part of racing. But when you block, you better hope there's a good Samaritan behind you. So uh, that's a little bit uh, of what we're talking about, that um, the leader just trying to block both lanes. That's not as uh, a strong uh, a strategy, apparently, because it does lead to uh, to possible, you know, the big one. Uh, We've seen enough of those already this weekend. But uh you know Brian France making a strong statement during the drivers meeting already today about blocking and uh you know blocking last year at Homestead you know did in Carl Edwards and uh, Joey Logano and we saw it in the clash last Sunday with Denny Hamlin trying to throw a block uh a, a uh, on Brad Keselowski as Keselowski darted to his inside going into turn 3 
and uh, Hamlin wasn't even close. Kozlowski uh, had already had the wheel alongside his left rear fender and uh, turned both of them and took them out of contention for the win, allowed Joey Logano to drive by. So some some strong statements you know, coming from Brian France in a driver's meeting, which apparently is uh, out of the ordinary, according to uh, some of the, the quotes we're seeing uh, from, from some of the media members on Twitter this morning. Um, it will be a wide open race this afternoon as uh, we'll be getting Alex Nakey here on the line in just a moment to talk to him about Jucasa Motor Speedway. But, uh, you know, looking at looking at it for th- this afternoon's race, I mean, you've got, like I said, it, it, it's certainly a wide open field. And uh, this the other wrinkle in today's race, it'll be the first one using the stage format and how much that strategy will come into play today. You know, the race will be broken in into uh, 60, 60, and 80 lap segments with, of course, the chance to earn points at the end of stages one and two. That is new for this year. And also the chance to earn those uh, playoff points by winning a stage. You get one playoff point for a stage win, five for an overall race win. And we'll see if that comes into pl- how much that comes into play. It might not happen as much today at Daytona as it will later in the season when we get to you know next week's race in Atlanta and so on and so forth. You know Daytona is always kind of the the wild card race, and any major rule changes we don't see as much come into effect until they they get onto the second race of the season. But we'll see when we get down to those final five ten laps uh, of this first stage if cars that are not in contention to pick up the. Those top 10 points, will they pit early in an effort to uh, improve their track position uh, in today's Daytona 500? Right now, though, we're going to go to the AT&T hotline and bring in from the Jucasa Motor Speedway, formerly known as the Cayuga Speedway, the brand new uh, general manager of the facility, former uh, racer himself, Alex Nagy, joins us on the line. Alex, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning and congratulations on the new role and all the exciting things that are happening. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, real quick, for those listeners that are, are kind of catching up on this story, the Cougar Motor Speedway, of course, not far from here in western New York and Nell's Corners, Ontario. Just kind of catch us up to speed real quick. This, the, the facility has sat dormant for a few years. Just tell us about the, uh, the movement that's going on and, and how this is all coming to be with the, the track reopening later this year. Yeah, uh, we have, you know, we, obviously we have a lot going on. Some may have seen pictures on our Facebook page or on Twitter um, you know, the track itself is on the safe, same footprint that uh, all the fans that had been at Cuga in the past know it. Uh, we have increased the banking all the way around to three and a half on the straightaways from near flat uh, to about nine degrees in the corners, and they were around four or five degrees. So we put a retaining wall around the outside. A safety fence construction will be starting any day now. We are currently working on the infield portion, done a lot of infrastructure work with drainage and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we're going to be constructing a new pit road with 32 stalls and uh, uh, retaining walls, of course, to protect the infield and uh, some grassy areas. So, you know, a lot the same, but a lot different. And, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, make it so when people come back to to Casa Motor Speedway, formerly Cayuga, as you said, they're, you know, we we know that we've had a great following. It's been thought of as Canada's crown jewel. And uh, when people come back, we want them to think more of it. We want them to be more impressed than they were. So we're doing all we can to uh, get ready to open on August 26th, 27th weekend. 
Uh, Alex, real quick, just just tell us who is behind this operation and uh, how that ties into the new name of the facility. Um, have two owners, Ken Hill and, and Jerry Montour. Uh, they're local businessmen, entrepreneurs, and uh, the name derives. They've got a bunch of businesses. Some of their businesses are named Jucasa, something or other. <laughs> the name is made up of initials of family members that were lost in a tragic accident. So. Uh, there's really, it's just a, it's just a, uh, a give back to the family, and uh, the name ends up being pretty catchy. So, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to be able to uh, to remember those folks and to carry on the tradition of uh, that five-inch mile racetrack near in Ontario. Like you say, not far from the Buffalo area. Yeah, and back of the day, I mean, Cayuga was the place when the Slack family, of course, you know, the the, the Slack family, uh, you know, that's produced a, a lot of great people, including, you know, Randy and Bobby and Roger Slack, of course, who runs Eldora now for Tony Stewart. Uh, when they had that place going in, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that was the place to be for, you know, late model and modified racing. And a, a lot of guys that race Lancaster and Holland and Perry, they would go run there. Uh, you know, you know, Art Clark would go run late model races there against you know Junior Hanley and, and Dodd Biederman, and just I wasn't there back in the day, of course. But maybe you could help describe just how big a facility that was at at its peak back then. Yeah, it was it was huge. Like you said, it was it was the place to be for sure um, in the whole surrounding area, not just Ontario. Uh, you know, as you said, New York and and fans from all over the place. Uh, there's been all kinds of you know historic names through the, through uh, Cuga, now Jucasa, such as Mark Martin, Alan Kowicki, like you said, Hanley Biederman, Art Clark. I mean, you can go on forever. The super modified drivers and the the modified racers, uh, you know, the name uh, we could be here all day listing names. <laughs> so, you know, our hope is to capture some of that history, Dave, and to you know to create new to create new memories for sure. Um, so, you know, it's. Like you said, the Slack family, I'm really fortunate because Mr. Slack is, uh, still lives in the area, and he comes by about every two weeks to check up on me, make sure that I'm uh, <laughs> on my toes and doing things the way he would expect. So we, we respect that, and uh, we can't wait to have him and, and hopefully a bunch of our, our past uh, star, stars of the Benetta Speedway uh, at our opening event. And real quick, tell us about that opening event that's coming up in late August. We have uh, – there's uh, Ontario – uh, based our pro late model series called the APC series, um, similar to some cars that race at Lancaster. I'm going to visit Lancaster, visit you guys early in the year, and uh, kind of introduce myself to everybody. Like you said, hopefully we can get a bunch of our guys going your way and your guys coming our way like it used to be. I know mm. sometimes don't allow that, but I think there's some closeness there. Um, so we'll have twin 75 laps for those guys, and we'll also have uh, in between those a 75 lap. Outlaw Super Late Model Race uh, Junior won't be racing, but his son Jeff will be racing, and uh, we've got a bunch of interesting guys from Michigan and Ohio as well. So, I think it's uh, it's really starting to shape up to be quite an event. And of course, we had you know a, a kind of a warm December in, in October, November, December. You guys got a, a jump start on some of the improvement. You got to do some paving 
And actually, you got a couple cars on the racetrack late last year, and one of those was a, a name familiar to Western New York race fans, Larry Jackson, of course, who ran Modifieds Weekly at Lancaster. Now he runs in the uh, NASCAR Pinty Series, but you know I remember Larry and Ron Easton running weekly at Lancaster, and Larry slays a, a Modified line around and, and took that out for some test laps. Does that mean we might see uh, the Modifieds at Jucasa at some point soon? Yeah, I really hope so. I know I've been fortunate to be contacted by I think every racing organization, racing organization in the country, um, which is which is a great honor. And I've had fortunate uh, been fortunate to have discussions with all those folks, including uh, the RC Modifieds. You know, we, we've with our opening so late, it's, and everybody's schedule somewhat get set. It was really hard to put much else together for yeah. 2017, but. And uh, but obviously for 2018, you know, look for an open wheel weekend. I hope to include the modifieds and the super modifieds, and uh, you know another open wheel class from the area possibly, and have a big open wheel weekend as well in 2018. So all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of potential. Um, obviously moving in, you know, getting our our feet wet in 17 at the end of the summer and uh, having the whole se- whole winter off-season to work on a 2018 schedule, I would expect that we're going to have several exciting events. Well, looking forward to it. Alex, last thing but before we let you go here, of course, today is the Daytona 500, and for the first time in quite some time, there's a Canadian in the field. DJ Kellington's going to start today's Daytona 500. I'm sure that has you and a lot of your fellow uh, racers and race fans in Ontario very excited to see him in the race today. Yeah, we're excited. You know, DJ's a good friend of mine. I, I was the series director in the Penny Series, as you mentioned, and uh, he raced in that races in that series. I raced against him, and I can remember when I was racing, first started in the Cascar Series, DJ was uh, 15 years old, and before we went on the racetrack for our, to start our events, he was doing laps in the, family, in the family Dodge. So I got to see him right from day one. He's a heck of a driver. Um, you're at Daytona. You never know what can happen. So, yeah, we're excited for him, and hopefully, him and his uh, his team have a great, great week or a great day. Yeah, a pretty good representation for for Canada in Speed Weeks. You have DJ. You had uh, Stuart Friesen in the Truck Series. And I know I can't think of the gentleman's name, but there was another driver from Ontario in the Truck Race as well. Too. Fortunately, things didn't go Stuart's way, crashing out. But uh, there, for the for race fans that aren't aware, a strong. Uh, uh, series of tracks up there in Ontario, and you guys uh, produce a lot of good racers. Yeah, we have, you know, there's all kinds of guys behind the scenes too. Cole Pern, who's yep. the chief for for uh, Truex in the 78 car. Uh, Scott Simmons, who's a tire specialist for the new 77 car in that team. So, yep, uh, you know, we're we're proud to have those guys involved, and uh, wish them all the best of luck. Well, Alex, thank you for the time this morning. Great to chat with you. Uh, like you said, if you make your way to Lancaster, please uh, stop up to the announce booth and say hi, and hopefully we'll, I'll, I'll be able to set foot uh, on the property sometime soon and get to see some great racing out there at Jucasa Motor Speedway later this year. Yeah, I hope you can make it as well, and same with all your listeners. Uh, I can't say I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan being a Leafs fan. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I am a, a Bandits fan, and... Uh, I hope that uh, we're fortunate enough to have a bunch of your listeners come up and visit us. We'd be honored. Very good. Take care, Alex. Thanks for the time.
Thank you. All right, Alex Nagy from the uh, Jucasa Motor Speedway, formerly the uh, Cayuga Motor Speedway in Nels Corners, Ontario. And, and really, it's kind of a it's a real direct route. Uh, once you cross the border, basically just take Highway 3, go past Humberstone Speedway, and just keep going for a little, little ways, and uh, you'll drive right into Nels Corners. So it's a real easy trip uh, to make your way out to Nels Corners here from Western New York once you cross the Peace Bridge. Uh, again, they are going to open up in late August. Still not 100% complete, as Alex said. They've got a few more things to work on, but they do have one race scheduled for this year, uh, August 26th and 27th, with some big late model races. And you heard he's talking to pretty much everybody as they uh, look forward to planning their schedule for 2018 and beyond. Uh, when we get back here, we've got open phones the rest of the way here for these final two segments. Uh, fast track, so uh, time to get your phone calls in as we draw closer to the running of the Daytona 500. Again, you'll hear it right here on WGR, and we'll be right back with more Fast Track. Hey. 12.30 here on WGR. Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track will take you to the top of the hour. And we'll hand things off to the Motor Racing Network for their live coverage of today's Daytona 500. They have pre-race starting at 1, and then uh, their race broadcast will start at 2. The official green flag time is right around 2.30 this afternoon. So if you're going to be out and about this afternoon and you want to know the exact time you need to be uh, on your couch or in front of your radio in time to catch the green flag, that's kind of what you want to look for is 2.30 today. If you don't mind missing all the pre-race uh, pomp and circumstance and all the singing and praying and jets flying overhead, if you don't mind missing that, uh, be in your seat by 2.30 to catch the green flag. Uh, 803-0551, 888-550-2550. Phone lines are open for you the rest of the way here on this two-hour uh, preview show of for the Great American Race, we'll be back to our normal uh, one-hour time format next Sunday, 11 to noon, when uh, the Cup Series heads to Atlanta for race number two on the uh, 2017 season. Again, already we've seen uh, plenty of uh, wrecks in the Truck and Xfinity Series events already this weekend at Daytona, but I don't, I really don't think we're going to see a duplicate of that today, uh, and I don't really chalk it up, and what I chalk up those two events too is more of the inexperienced drivers in the field versus drivers being too aggressive or the drivers reacting to the new stage formats uh, I think it's just more of uh, maybe some less experienced drivers driving a little bit in over their heads uh, you know in, in a restrictor plate race something they might not have had a lot of time with if any in their respective series you know maybe they've only run uh, an ARCA race uh, on a restrictor play track, or you know, maybe they only have one previous start uh, in the tr- cup or, or excuse me, truck or Xfinity series on a restrictor plate. You know, just a lot of inexperienced drivers, and that's a byproduct of these the new policy with restricting the amount of starts a cup driver with five years of experience can have in the, the lower series. But that is something that has been called for by the fans. They want to see, you know, they don't want to see Kyle Busch or Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano going into the, the truck series and in the Xfinity series all the time and uh, you know beating up on the series regulars and winning the majority of the races. So NASCAR continues to you know fine-tune that policy and through even more restrictions on the guys for this year, limiting the number of starts they can have in both series and preventing them from running in the, the playoffs and everything. So that's what you're going to get, though. You're going to get a lot of young, inexperienced drivers 
in, in both series, and that can lead to more crashes. So I think that's why you're not going to see a repeat of that today with the Cup Series when you have a much more uh, veteran crew out there uh, for the 40 star- starters for today's race. One of those young drivers, though, did go to victory lane uh, in the Truck Series, Kaz Grala, uh picked up uh, a first career truck series win as uh, he was able to squeak through a, an amazing last lap crash on the backstretch uh, that saw Matt Crafton uh, truck flip 360 in the air before landing down on uh, uh, Johnny Sauter's truck uh, you know, in a wild last lap crash on the backstretch. Kaz Grala found his way through that wreck and drove his way to victory lane for his first win in the truck series. And uh, Kez, one of the uh, up-and-coming names, he's had a good run in the K&N uh, Pro Series divisions, and now he's moved up uh, driving for uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the GMS racing team this year. He started on the pole, too, and, and wound up winning it. Uh, he was pretty funny in uh, Victory Lane, too, when they interviewed him on Fox Sports 1. They were showing him the replay of the crash, and he had not known that Kraft had flipped over, and he was, you know, he's like, oh, my God, somebody flipped over when he was watching the replay live on Fox Sports 1. And then j- jokingly he said uh, they, it was, uh, he was having a hard time. Uh, he didn't know what to do by winning the race. He said he, he didn't know how to do a donut, and he, he figured since he was Polish he would do the victory lap backwards anyway. So I had to get a laugh out of that, uh, him saying that uh, on, on the Fox Sports 1 broadcast. So exciting for him to get his first win, but definitely uh, that was uh, – quite a, a rough start to the season for the truck series. And that, that race saw a big wreck on, on just the second lap of the race. Unfortunately took out Stuart Friesen, who we've had on the show here, you know, a couple of times throughout the years, native of Niagara on the Lake, Ontario, his family, of course, uh, owned uh, Lancaster Speedway and Ransomville Speedway and uh, Stuart going for his first full year uh, in the Camper World Truck Series this season as he is hooked up with uh, his sponsor, Hallmark International. They've created a new team and uh, they've hired Tommy Baldwin and some other veteran people to uh, help them uh, run the full Camper World Truck Series season. But unfortunately for Stewart, eliminated very quickly, and uh, you know, th- and and unfortunately could not come back out. I don't know how bad his truck was damaged, but because it was towed back to the garage, he was out of the race. And uh, be, you know, because of the new rule concerning damage in NASCAR's National Touring Series, and a, a lot of people this weekend uh, have gotten a little bit upset about that. That this new policy, where if you can't get that car or truck repaired in five minutes on pit road, you're done for the day. And uh, while I'm totally not on board with them, I do see that uh, there there could be a possibility of maybe tweaking this rule for the restrictor plate races. You know, I don't think this will be as big an issue once we get into the rest of the season. But at the when you go to the restrictor excuse me restrictor plate tracks, you do have the possibility of massive multi-car pileups that can take out uh, up to a third of the field in one incident. So it really, uh, you know, forces, you know, a, a good chunk of your, of your drivers to to have to make repairs. I mean, last night in the Xfinity Series race, I think, uh, what was it? They had 36 starters. I think all but maybe five cars had damage at some point in the incident because they had three, four multi-car incidents as well, too. So maybe... You know, I'm not saying they're definitely going to do this, but maybe NASCAR will go back and take a look at this policy and maybe, uh, you know, make some changes to it going forward for maybe just the restrictor plate races. I don't know, um, but maybe it's giving them more than five minutes or or, or some other, um, you know, something else just to 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 keep the, the the number of cars running at the end of the race, you know, 
keep more cars involved in the race, and, and, and especially with the restrictor plate tracks, you know, aerodynamics is such an issue. You want to make those repairs, you know, so finite to, to try and keep your car or truck, you know, the aerodynamics of it to keep it as good as they can be. Although anytime you take any, you know, any kind of damage affects the car's aerodynamics so much that maybe with the restrictor plate tracks, they're allowed maybe a few more minutes to make those repairs or maybe allow them to uh, put new body panels on just for the restrictor plate tracks, uh, which they, they can't do anymore because of the new rule. Because it seemed like, you know, the teams would just get out there and thrash and just try and throw on all this uh, pieces of bear bond or, or duct tape and just kind of thrash. And they, cause they only have, because of the limited amount of time, and it just seemed like it was counterproductive because it just seemed like they with the, the recklessness, maybe not recklessness, but just the hurried fashion that they have to make these repairs in, that it just winds up leading to, you know, a, a bigger chance of parts and pieces falling off. Uh, you know, I remember in the truck race, you had one guy go out there and he shed, you know, a few pieces. Of, he had, he dropped debris because the, they, they had to make the repairs so quickly. So maybe an adjustment is needed for the plate plate tracks. Again, it's only two races in and we haven't even seen it in the Cup Series today. Uh, we'll see going forward if maybe NASCAR takes a look at it before they go to Talladega this spring or when we go back to Daytona in July, we'll see if maybe they uh, change the policy regarding the new damage policy for the restricted play tracks. But again, I don't think it'll be as big an issue going forward because you don't see in the uh, the mile-and-a-half tracks and, and the smaller tracks in the circuit these massive pileups that can take out a third of the field and affect so many cars in competition. Get 803-0551-888-552-550. Your thoughts on uh, who do you think could win the Daytona 500? Uh, your thoughts on the, the, the numerous rule changes going into the season and your uh, Daytona 500 uh, methods of wagering or uh, party games if you uh, get together with a bunch of people watching Daytona 500. Uh, what is your equivalent of, like, Super Bowl squares uh, for watching a race? I would love to hear uh, some some different ideas and uh, see what everybody likes to do out there when they watch uh, this event, which, again, is the most mainstream event on the, the NASCAR schedule that draws in the most uh, casual of fans, it seems like, every season, this race especially. So uh, what you do to kind of liven things up. Uh, been a lot of talk this week about a, a Wall Street Journal article that came out early this week about NASCAR, and it really got matter-of-factly uh, on the state of the sport uh, you know, really hammered on the declining television ratings and the, the declining attendance ratings, uh, attendance, you know, ticket sales in general. And uh, it really and also delved into the relationship between Brian France and his sister, Lisa France Kennedy, who uh, heads up the International Speedway Corporation. Uh, of course, you know, Brian, the, the CEO of NASCAR and uh, their relationship, which apparently is, you know, kind of frosty and uh, they don't always uh, work together as much as they should or could uh, when making major decisions surrounding the sport. It even went into to state based on sources that uh, the shares of NASCAR that each Lisa France Kennedy and Brian France uh, took after the the passing of their their father Bill Jr. That you know Brian France has actually sold his shares at some point, whether it's to his other uh, members, whether it's his sister Lisa or his uncle Jim France. Um, has sold his shares in NASCAR, uh, you know, although he still has uh, shares in the International Speedway Corporation, which is also owned by the France family, which owns the tracks like Daytona and Watkins Glen and uh, some of the other facilities in the sport. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of talk about uh, Brian's leadership of the sport. And it just, it, it 
really uh, painted a, a negative picture. I don't think it was as bad as some people made it out to be. It was just kind of stating the facts surrounding the sport, a lot of it. Uh, I don't think it was purposely going out of the out of the way to to bash NASCAR at all, but it seems like now that uh, in, you can draw your conclusions to uh, the the political climate in this country right now that the the inner circle of NASCAR is now kind of drawn ranks and it is kind of um, you know uh, standing up or, or uh, talking uh, talking out against this report, saying that it's not as bad a picture as that article makes it out to be, and. Uh, and actually, there has been, you know, there are, there is some good news concerning the future of of the sport. It might not be a complete turnaround, but um, you know, there there has been some positive signs during speed weeks, um, you know, concerning uh, sponsorship and, and just how healthy the sport may or may not be doing. Uh, there's been two huge sponsor announcements this week. Uh, FedEx has re-upped with with Joe Gibbs Racing and Denny Hamlin. He got a contract extension, and then Joey Logano. And Shell Pennzoil and Penske announced a big deal, and Joey is now signed through 2022, and that that's a huge contract, you know, for NASCAR, a five-year deal. You don't see a lot of that in the sport. Uh, usually, drivers sign, you know, maybe a two or three-year agreement, but for Logano to be locked up through 2022 and to have Shell Pennzoil, a huge company, obviously locked up through 22, that is, you know, a good sign of things to come for the sport that they can they can still hang on to some major sponsors like that, especially huge with with Shell and FedEx, and uh, that's great to see. And also a positive thing, sponsor-wise at least, that I've seen this year is a couple sponsors coming back into the sport. Uh, Not full-time, but they have, you know, taken smaller roles in the sport, but it's great to see them back involved. And it all goes back to the the Darlington Throwback Program. You know, the last few years, the the Southern 500, they've kind of gone with this throwback theme where drivers get retro paint schemes, and that has led to a couple retro sponsors to come back in the sport. One of those is Tide, who, of course, was synonymous with NASCAR in the 80s and 90s and sponsoring Daryl Waltrip and Ricky Rudd. Uh, You know, they had left the sport, but they came back last year to sponsor Matt Matt Kenseth for the Southern 500 to give him a a throwback paint scheme. Well, it turns out Tide must have, you know, the... the, uh, saw enough return on investment or enough uh, you know, interaction because of the sponsorship that they've come back and they're going to sponsor Matt for a couple races this year. And Another sponsor to do that was Hooters, who, of course, was f- very famous when Alan Kowicki won his championship driving the Hooters car in 1992. They came back last year and sponsored um, Chase Elliott and, and went with a, a throwback Alan Kowicki paint scheme. Well, now they're coming back and they're sponsoring Chase Elliott as an associate sponsor, and they'll be the main sponsor in his car a couple of times this year. So it's great to see that that program has paid off to uh, you know bring a couple of sponsors who had left the sport but are still kind of a you know when you think about them, you still think about NASCAR because of just how iconic their involvement was back in the day. It's great to see that they are actually now investing dollars once again and in, in, you know trading back on some of that name recognition that they've had for all these years that they're getting back in, involved in the sport. It, you know it doesn't. It's not great that they're going to two of the biggest teams in Joe Gibbs and Hendrick Motorsports, but still, anytime you see somebody getting back involved in NASCAR is is uh, great to see. And uh, you know, sponsorship going well for JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, the reason they could start a second team this year with Kurt, Chris Busher, they said, because they had enough sponsors to go around and uh, you know put together a two car operation for this year with Chris Busher uh, coming aboard. 
Well, when we come back, we'll have uh, one segment to go here as we uh, round out this special two-hour edition of WGR's Fast Track. Last chance to get your calls in at 803-0550 and one 888 We'll wrap up Fast Track when we get back here on WGR. Chase Elliott starting on the pole for today's Daytona 500. I mentioned this earlier, but in case you're just tuning in, a pole sitter has not won the Daytona 500 since the year 2000. It's been 17 years since the pole winners won. Dale Jarrett did it in 2000. Jeff Gordon did the year before 1999. But since then, a pole winner has not won the Daytona 500. Just keep that in mind if you're picking your fantasy team. And, uh, man, our our, uh, our Fast Track Fantasy League just uh, – Taken off here since we started the show. We were at 47. We're up to 54. Uh, signed up for the Fast Track Fantasy League on Fox Sports. Uh, you can check my Twitter at Fast Track 550 uh, for the link to sign up. Uh, my lineup for today, uh, going with Joey Logano, of course, I've been saying is, is my pick to win today. I took Dale Jr., even though everybody does, but his value was so low, only $6,700. That That's like budget rate for, for Jr. So you had to, it was an easy pick just because he was so low. Uh, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch. That is my uh, fantasy lineup for this afternoon uh, on our uh, Fast Track Fantasy League. But we're up to 54 teams, so that that's more than last year. We had 52 last year. Uh, real simple to play. You can you don't even have to know anything. Just ask Paul Hamilton. He'll tell you. He just you know picks drivers at random, or li- li- that's what he says at least. I don't believe him. Uh, but uh, he is uh, playing again with us once again this year. So, uh, again, Fast Track 550, you can find the link. Uh, you can still have time to sign up before the green flag waves today. Um, uh, speaking of Paul, and uh, he is in Arizona today for uh, Sabres Coyotes. So he uh, that's coming up today on WGR. Face-off just after 830 from uh, whatever they're calling the arena in Arizona these days. Uh, I can't think of the sponsor. Pre-game at 730 with uh, my buddy Brian Koziel. And uh, Pat Malacaro, uh, they'll have the pregame show for you this evening. So what what a cool sports day this is. You've got Daytona, and then you've got Sabres tonight. You've, I guess you've got the Oscars tonight, too. So lots to uh, to watch and keep you busy on, on this Sunday. Last Sunday was fun. We had the uh, we had uh, Bandits game, Sabres game, and pole qualifying in the Clash last Sunday, too. So no, today's another Sunday of uh, just sitting on your, sitting on your duff watching uh, sports. So I think that's what's on tap for me today. As well, uh, thank you for uh, listening. Um, oh, speak, actually, before I sign off, I, speaking of the Sabers, why I brought up the Sabers in the first place was I was shocked to see right before we went on the air the, this morning uh, a tweet from the Sabers Twitter account uh, about the Daytona 500. I couldn't believe it. The, they had a uh, a little shout out to that today is uh, the Daytona 500, and uh, of course, uh, one of their uh, big sponsors is uh, Toyota. Of course. Uh, who's uh, you know one of the manufacturers in the Cup Series? So uh, a little shout out to the Toyota teams as well from the official Sabers Twitter account. Uh, I, I'm disappointed. Well, not disappointed, but I, what I want to see is you know usually in the weeks leading up to the Daytona 500, they send a lot of drivers out to promote the event. They send them to sporting events, and uh, you know this year uh, Martin Truex went to a Tampa Bay Lightning game, and Brad Keselowski went to a Detroit Red Wings game. You know when are we going to get? Uh, an NHL player to come to a Sabres game. That's that. That's what I'd love to see um, in the future. If we could get, you know, may, maybe with, with Toyota's involvement with the Sabres, maybe they can bring a Toyota driver to the KeyBank Center uh, at some point to do a promotional tour. Because the best part is they always do the trade-off where a member of the team gives the driver a jersey with their name on it, and then the driver gives, you know, whatever player it is 
you know, so, uh, either a, a fire suit or a helmet or something. You know, they always do that kind of trade off. Um, I'm trying. I can't remember who they. I can't think of who did it this year for the lightning game with Truex, but uh, I know I have the pictures on our our Fast Track Facebook page. But uh, I think it'd be fun if we could get a, uh, a NASCAR driver to a uh, a Sabres game maybe next year as pr- leading up to the promotion of next year's Daytona 500. Uh, actually, their trainer George Babcock, huge uh, gearhead, uh, a huge racing fan as well too. His nickname's Mopar, so maybe maybe he can pull, pull some strings, especially if uh, Dodge gets back into the sport. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, listening and watching to today's race. Uh, feel free to take our conversation on social media during the race. You can tweet at me at Fast Track 550 or uh, Facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. I'll be on social media throughout the race if you want to uh, talk on there. Send your, your thoughts uh, throughout the race this afternoon, and uh, we can continue our conversation there. But if not, we'll talk to you next Sunday here at 11 a.m. for next week's edition of Fast Track. Enjoy the Daytona 500, and thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.